You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. I hope you're doing great. Hope you're doing wonderful. Got a lot of work to do today. Uh, we did a we did we we did we did good yesterday. Got through a good amount of uh, good amount of calls, and we're going to try to do the same thing today, if at all possible. But because today is the day we need to get completely caught up, because tomorrow is going to be uh, pregame, during game, postgame. We got a lot of work to do. Let's get started. Let me just make sure real quick. We got no new callers. We don't. All right. Starting off the day the way we ended it yesterday, Monsieur Thomas Austin. Oh, man, I've been looking everywhere online for this, and I'm so happy that there's finally a place for me to call in about Star Wars. Oh, boy. With obscure facts and references, just like Gimflar Tillinbrook. Man, what a character. Yeah, dude. I'm sad that he got erased when Disney bought a, the the whole universe and decided yeah. to cut everything out from the legend. But oh, I'm just so happy to have a place to where I can call in and just discuss all my favorite stuff about Star Wars. Yeah, no, it's... I love the internet. So good. All right. I'll call back later with some more stuff sometime in the future. We've got a busy schedule now, though. All right, bye-bye. Yeah, Star Wars is uh it's not good. It's not um it's not good. I tried. I went back and watched it and it's like you know, maybe you can get into the first one. I, I all right, cool. That was fine. But then you watch the second one and it's the exact same movie. And then I watched the third one and it is the exact same movie again. It's like we're <sighs> As much credit as Star Wars gets, I don't know that I understand it, you know? It's kind of lacking on the creativity front. It's the exact same thing happening over and over again. And then I think as they start to get more, maybe more creative in terms of having a slightly different storyline, um, you know, blowing up the big old spaceship in the sky and everything, uh, the movies just continue to get worse. And... Um, they were much less enjoyable. And I was, I was on like a Star Wars marathon and I asked at one point like, hey, this kind of sucks. Um, but, you know, as they get more modern, do they get like better? And pretty unanimously, everybody's like, no. Unless you're already a diehard Star Wars fan and, and can enjoy it for what it is, you're going to hate it because it's they're all kind of trash. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm done. So I stopped watching uh, Star Wars. So there you go. Hey, Ryan. It's Brian from Connecticut. Hey, uh, Brian. A couple thoughts, and hopefully they're not too scattered. Um, <clears throat> you're about the same age as me, a little bit younger, but uh, I'm not a big basketball fan, but I do remember back in the 90s, 
the San Antonio Spurs had David Robinson, and, and he got hurt, and they finished in last place. And the next year, they drafted Tim Duncan with the first overall pick, which set them up for the next however many years of having two of probably the best five or best ten players in, uh, in basketball. And I feel the same thing has happened with um, San Francisco, as you talked about. They've had, you know, Jimmy G got hurt, and they drafted uh, Bosa early, or however the order went. But, you know, San Francisco got a bunch of those top draft picks. Uh, Joe Burrow went down, and the um, Bengals were able to draft uh, um, Jameer Chase, Jamar Chase. And I'm, I'm looking at the Packers, and... I feel like um, we've unfortunately had so many major injuries, but they are not happening at the same time. We had Bakhtiari at the end killing our Super Bowl hopes and then out last year, and then uh, Eldon in the middle of the year uh, through the middle of this year, and same thing with Tunyon. And now and then Z was out for last year, and Jair was out for last year, but we still managed to win 13 games, and uh, they come back and they have an incredible defensive performance in the playoffs. We all know how that went. Uh, and now we have all these injuries this year. So I'm, I'm hoping somehow, shape, or form, uh, if the injuries that are mounting up this year give us that, uh, that Tim Duncan, that, that Joey Bosa, that Jamar Chase, that give us another cornerstone to build around. Um, and then the other comment I had was, this year's, unfortunately, this year's Vikings reminded me a lot of the 2019 Packers, where they have a new coach, they're winning a lot of games that are less than one possession. Um, I forget the Vikings record in, is right now. In and they both went out and got Zedarius in free agency, so there's that too. One possession games, but you know, if you recall, the 2019 Packers were frauds. You know, there were 13 wins, but everyone thought they were really an eight or nine win team, right? And they got lucky. Um, you know, I definitely thought the Vikings have been very lucky this year with the, the doink by New Orleans and other things along those lines, other, other close games that they've won um, under a new coaching staff. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping this is not a, uh, a permanent thing for the Vikings that we see them fall off in the end. But I think what it comes down to, I was going to say, actually, is, is the coaching. I don't know the structure of a, of a NFL team, coaching staff, but I feel that all the small pieces we lost this year. Uh, see if this is quick before I comment. Uh, I just don't want to lose my thoughts. But all right, we'll have you continue, and I'll let you know. I'll make it much more quick. Nathaniel Hackett, Luke Jesse, Mike Smith, Luke uh, Mike Penn. I feel that our position coaches this year uh, are inexperienced and weak. And not trying to take anything off of the floor because I, I do question his leadership um, based on everything that happened in 2019 with the away games and the coming out of buys and the Mondays off and all those other things that are being a player's coach. Um, I don't see any hard consequences when need, when hard consequences are needed. Um, but I'm concerned about the, the hierarchy of our um, coaching tree and, and the little the pieces below the floor and wondering if those are the reasons why our specific position groups aren't performing the way they should. O-line had Stenovich last year. Will Stenovich be able to see this year? He can't focus on the O-line. 
Um, you know, our, our receivers coach, um, I believe, is a new coach this year. Maybe not. Um, but they're obviously not uh, excelling the way we would like them to. So on and so on and so on. But um, all right. Too long. Too much talking. Bye. All right. Um, first things first. Your first thing you mentioned was kind of going worst to first and and the draft being a part of that. And it's a little sad that you had to go to basketball, but I, I pulled something up real quick. This is the top 25 list of teams that went from worst to first. Um, and I guess the question is, how much did the draft play a part? So 2018, at number 25 and 24, they have the 2018 Texans and the 2018 Bears. Um, the 2018 Texans, did they get to... Where did they even get? I don't even know. They went to the playoffs. I don't know how D. I know they go to the Super Bowl, but it doesn't matter. They went to the playoffs after being a completely trash team. But why did they do it? Is it because of the draft? Well, in the twenty eight in twenty eighteen, they drafted Justin Reed, Martinez Rankin, Jordan Atkins, Kiki Kuti, uh, Duke Ejiofor, Jordan Thomas, Peter Kalambayi, and Jermaine Kelly. Um, I don't think any of those were super major contributors. Um, but you also have to remember, <laughs> and this is not a great, uh, thing for the draft and develop crowd. Their first pick was in round three. So no, they, they, I mean, Justin Reed's a good football player and all, especially for a third round pick, but, um, the draft had basically nothing to do with it. So, all right. What about the 2018 Chicago bears? Well, they ended up drafting a linebacker, Roquan Smith, at number uh, eight overall, then James Daniels at 39, then Anthony Miller, then Joel Oyegbunwinui, Bilal Nichols, Kylie uh, Kylie Fitz, and Javon Wims. These are contributors for sure, Um, but it was largely the acquisition of Khalil Mack, and really, I mean, really, it was was largely the Vic Fangio defense, but... um, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Eddie Jackson, Adrian Amos, Kyle Fuller, uh, Prince of Mukamura was a good corner there also at the time. Uh, Danny Trevathan was the better of the two linebackers pretty much for Danny Trevathan's entire time there. But and, and remember, Vic Fangio had been there for like three years, so this was sort of a building thing where they just slowly got better every single year. Uh, what do they have next on here? They have the 1987 Colts can't really go back and I, I don't know a lot of the draft picks to be able to to say one way or another but just reading their little uh little snippet here it sounds like the Eric Dickerson trade had a lot to do with it it was also a new ho- coaching hire the 1972 Green Bay Packers according to this it was largely the uh ground attack as well as the defense that paired together and the ground attack was John Brockington and MacArthur Lane doesn't look like any of them were drafted that year although <laughs> There's so many draft picks back then. They did draft three running backs. Uh, Willie Buchanan was uh, drafted number seven overall. Maybe that contributed to some degree. They mentioned the uh, the defense was a big part of it. The 2004 Atlanta Falcons, they basically attributed it to in 2003. Vic was the uh, victim of the Madden curse and broke his leg. In 2004, he came back and just dominated the league. So that really wasn't the draft. 2004 San Diego Chargers. 2004. Interestingly enough, that was the year they selected number one overall Eli Manning. Um, and then Eli refused to play for him and got traded to the Giants. I guess in that trade, the uh, the Chargers got 
Phillip Rivers because Drew Brees was not playing very well, but Drew Brees ended up tearing it up that year with uh, Gates and Tomlinson, and I don't think any of them were drafted that year. So I don't want to do all of them, but why don't we go to the top of the list? Maybe some of the more prominent worst of firsts have got some cool draft things. I have no idea. There you go. I got one. The number one team, the 1999 St. Louis Rams. Um, now, it wasn't all the draft, but their number one overall pick, or their, their number one pick at pick number six was Torrey Holt. And Torrey Holt did play a pretty significant role in the team's success. Another part of that was Kurt Warner coming in due to a Trent Green injury, as well as Marshall Falk just being an absolute freak show. Suffice it to say, the draft is not going to be enough, even in that case. If it wasn't for Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk and I'm sure a bunch of other guys, Torrey Holt is not enough to propel the team. But the point is, and, and you'd kind of mention this, what, we, what we're all kind of hoping for is that what we're seeing is, is to some degree a fluke. It's not a talent issue. That's number one. Number two is that we figure out what that fluky flaw is and we fix it. And then number three, that high pick helps to supplement. Remember, with the 49ers example, it wasn't just a random worst to first. It was, a, it was the fact that they were artificially dropped due to not just a, an injury, but constant injuries to the quarterback and, and other people that pushed them down into the top five for, for several years, too. That was the other issue, is it kept happening. They had like three early picks and then reemerged with their quarterback and just destroyed everybody. And again, it wasn't just those picks. A lot of those picks sucked. They, they constantly picked defensive linemen, and most of them were not very good. Uh, Bosa's just sort of the prominent example of the one real big hit. But that, that's what we need to happen, is for this to be an artificial fluke. And you mentioned the coaches. Okay, maybe. I, the, 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 the hard part about sinking my teeth into the coaches is there's just nothing I can do with it in terms of trying to look into it. I don't know. I mean, there is correlation, but you know we all know the thing correlation, causation, whatnot. But it's probably a factor. The, the, the question is, is there one like massive factor? And I think that's what everybody's kind of searching for, right? The coaching is a factor. The injuries are a factor. The wide receivers are a factor. Devante specifically is a factor. Um, drop in play from numerous people is a factor. Whether that's a part of a, a different factor or not, I don't know. But there's all kinds of factors. And, and, you know, again, is there like a really big factor that, that is causing this? If so, what and can we fix it? Right? That's where a lot of people really want to hammer on Rodgers because it feels like that's a big thing. Or the coaches because it feels like that's a big thing. Or the wide receivers or the offensive line. And, and we're all fighting about it because we just because we want to we believe that there's like a really big thing. I don't know if there is or not. It's, it's kind of hard to tell. It feels to me like it's just, it's, it's the combination of everything. I think we could survive any one of these things. If the offensive line and the quarterback and the coaching and everything else was just fine and the defense was fine, we could overcome struggling wide receivers. And I think that was kind of my issue coming into this is I assumed everything else would be fine and, and we would overcome the wide receiver issue. But we're not overcoming the wide receiver issue because there's other issues. The locker room is an issue. The coaching is an issue. The quarterback is an issue. The offensive line is an issue. The play calling is an issue. The whatever, you know, it's all just this stuff. And so, yeah, do I think coaching is a part of it? Probably. To what degree? I don't, I have no idea. So the, the, again, the main point is the early draft pick is never going to be enough to propel anybody unless you really knock it out of the park with a quarterback. But the problem is we don't have 
I, I know we have an underperforming quarterback, but we don't have a bottom-of-the-barrel garbage quarterback, and so there isn't going to be that big gap between the reason we suck as the quarterback and once we replace that with an elite player, that's going to be a massive benefit to us. We don't have that bottom three quarterback. We we have a a Hall of Fame quarterback playing like a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. And so even a quarterback I don't think is necessarily going to be enough unless all these other things get fixed, which is why, again, I keep saying it's it's all this stuff. we got to figure out what the issues are, and all this stuff needs to get fixed. If it does, then yeah, that early pick is going to be massive because you're a really good football team that just got a premier player, and really good football teams never get premier players. So this is huge for us. It's just a, it's just that other stuff, you know, that, that I'm wondering about. Hey, caller number five. Hey, man. Um, I know you said you wanted more angry energy. And sure. I was going to call, or whoops, I was going to call um, and possibly yell, but, um, you know, whatever. I'm going to relax. I started watching The Office, and now I'm good. Yes, um, that'll but do it. the latest nonsense from Rodgers talking about how this has been the most by-the-book year that we've had in the offense is just another... I didn't even hear that, and I'm not going to go watch it. It's not my fault uh, moment from him, and I'm I'm just sick of it, man. This guy's a clown. Um, I don't know how my favorite all-time QB went from my favorite all-time QB to, wow, I defended him for being a good leader, even though it seems like he's actually not that good a leader uh, when the chips are down. Um, who are you yelling at on those interceptions? Uh, are you yelling at air? Are you yelling at yourself? It doesn't look like you're yelling at yourself. Uh, especially with your comments about how my coach said I had a great game. Um, whatever. Anyway, uh, just the thought that came to my head, and you said to call in with thoughts. So, yeah, definitely. Um, wouldn't it be the most Raiders thing ever for them to have a terrible year this year, have maybe another top five pick, and they trade it to us uh, for Rodgers, uh, and then obviously throw in a second or, or another first next year, whatever. Dude, that would be crazy. <laughs> I'll let you finish. Um, or both of those things. And they trade it for Rodgers to get Rodgers and Tay back together. Wouldn't that be the most Raiders thing? And then we get name your quarterback and we'll... Well, we finally get our tight end. <laughs> Kudakunz is like, I'll trade him, but I don't I don't care about all these picks. I want Waller, right? I mean, yeah, give me the first and, and whatever else, but I want Waller. And I'm not doing it without Waller. Landerson in the same draft or if they really like love then I guess I'll be fine with Quentin Johnson or um, Addison I think is the other receiver anyway too early to be thinking about the draft but here we are fun time the reason I think that's a really fun thought is because there there are those individual possibilities and and one of them is that Rodgers says, I don't want to be, you know, most people assume that a trade is not going to happen, right? Rogers is toward the end. He's either going to retire or he's going to try maybe another year or two or whatever. But there is a part of me that wonders. And again, it's all just a matter of what's going on in Rogers' head. And I don't know the answer to that question. But, you know, Rogers clearly, I mean, he acknowledges he's not playing his greatest, but he's also leaning very heavily on, this is primarily not my fault. This is, this is, He's he's of the opinion that if he had a better situation, he'd be playing better and the team would be better. So ultimately, it's not his fault. I just wonder if it ever comes to a head where Rodgers wants to prove that he's still got it. And you, would, you wouldn't think so, but I'm just saying, if, if, if his theory is, if I had Devontae, we'd still tear it up. 
And it was proposed to him maybe by Devante. I mean, I doubt it because he's good friends with Carr. So that probably would never, that would cause a lot of drama. But I, that would be kind of the hard part is because they just paid Carr and that was part of the promise to Devante. And then you run the risk of you kick out, you know, Devante's really good friend for like his old buddy. And Roger comes in like, hey, man, we're back together. And he's like, yeah, remember when I left because I wanted to come here and hang out with my, my really good friend? I mean, we're cool and all, but. It's kind of a kind of a douche move, man. But anyways, leaving that all aside, for whatever reason, obviously the season, as you said, was was complete trash. And depending on how much of that is Carr's fault, maybe there are some conversations. And, and the Packers talk to the Raiders, and they're like, "Look, you know, I th- I think if you want to get the you you traded for Devontae and you paid a ton of money, you want to get the best out of this, take uh, take Roger. I don't really know what you do with with uh, Carr, but I'm sure you'll figure it out. Trade him to somebody else and." kind of minimize the cap issues. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's falling apart right between my fingers here, but it is a fun thought just because Rodgers wants to prove I can do this, right? It's not Matt LaFleur. It's not any of these other bums. Me and Devontae can go tear it up somewhere else, and at the very least, I can prove with Devontae that I still got it. If we're going to win four games, fine, but I'm everyone's going to say that's, that's despite the fact that Rodgers and Devontae are freaks. They're dragging this team you know, a, a zero-win team won like five games because the quarterback and wide receiver were just dragging them, you know? Because he knows he can be Rodgers with Devontae, right? They've got that mind melt. Like, I'll, I'll just force feed you all day, and it's going to be beautiful. I'll throw that pinpoint pass to you as you just cut and come free, and it's just going to be great. Again, I, th- I think Derek Carr is the major problem there because they just gave him a giant contract. Let me look at that real quick. I'm just 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 curious. So three year, one hundred and twenty million, so forty million a year. Wait, what? Only sixty-five million is guaranteed, twenty-five million is guaranteed at signing. If Carr is on the roster on the third day of the waiver period in twenty twenty three, his twenty twenty three base salary is seven point five million. All of all of this money is in his base his base salary is thirty three million. You know why they did that? They can move on from Carr and, and it doesn't hurt them at if they cut Let's let's make sure the trade is the same thing, and it is. If they trade Derek Carr next year, their dead cap hit is like it's five point six million dollars. So this was for show. This this big contract he got to commit to Derek Carr was for show, because this contract is is they can get out of it in a second, right? They're committed for one year for sure, and in even that they could have traded him this year if they wanted to. They just couldn't have cut him. Kind of similar to the Packers situation with Rodgers, but to a much smaller degree. They save $30 million by trading Carr. The problem is he's, it's hard to trade him because it's all in his base salary. So whoever takes him on, they're going to have to take on a $33 million hit. So more than likely, he would just get cut and not even trade him, which is fine in, in terms of what you and I are talking about. But again, the, the problem is Devonta. He's going to be super pissed. Whatever. I don't know. Fun thought. I appreciate that. Thank you. Hey. Better put some respect on Aaron Rodgers' name. All you negative fans out there. One of the greatest to ever play the game. And this is how you're uh, coming at him. Very, very disrespectful. I, I, uh, I expect a lot better from, from you guys, man. Very disappointing. Bye. Yeah, Brett Favre was great too. 
Am I allowed to say that he struggled down the stretch and he played bad or what? So th- this is this is what is ridiculous. I mean, yeah, you can call in and, and swear as though that means something, but the point you 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 made is that he's great, therefore you can't critique him. I mean, Favre is in a lot of legal trouble. Can you can you discuss that, or is he just too great to talk about it? Again, I can't do that. I can't have a Packers podcast and say, look, here's the PFF grades, except um, I can't talk about these four because they're great and I can't read their grades because that would be disrespectful to their greatness, right? Talking about Kenny Clark and the way that he's played the last couple weeks, I can't discuss it. I just, I don't live in that world, man. I don't live in that world where it's the same thing with like what I was saying with Matt LaFleur. Like we, we can't even discuss the fact that maybe part of the problem is Matt LaFleur because of the records the last three years. We can't discuss Aaron Rodgers' interceptions because he, he was really good in the past. I can't talk about Kenny Clark not being very good because he's Kenny Clark. These people aren't gods. They're not deities. It's not blasphemy to point out basic facts. So I, I just, you know, again, if you want to call in and swear at people, that's fine. But I don't think it really accomplished much. It doesn't change anything. Because again, it, it's not even arguing that he's playing well. That's one thing to be like, you're wrong. He's playing great. It's another thing to say, yeah, he's playing bad, but F you for saying it. And again, there would be a lot better reception in terms of the disrespect factor for Aaron Rodgers if, number one, people weren't doing what you're doing, which is defending him at every turn, telling us that interceptions are not his fault and underthrows are not underthrows. And number two, if Rodgers took some accountability. And by account, some accountability, I don't just mean like he happens to in passing mention that it's kind of his fault, but mostly everybody else's fault. If he flat out was like, look, man, I'm, I'm really struggling. I'm not having a good year. I'm working with the quarterback coach and Matt LaFleur every single day. Obviously, the thumb is bothering me, but that's not an excuse for the way that I've been playing. He's going to get a much better reception. But when people are really mad at you, you know, it's, 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 it's diffusing if, if you really get mad at somebody and they come out and they're like, I'm so sorry. And then you're like, oh, I'm a jerk. I shouldn't have, shouldn't have been swearing at him and screaming at him. But when you're really mad at, at somebody, and you can do this in a relationship too, somebody does something really wrong and, they, and then they turn it around and blame you. Like, I cannot believe you called me fat or whatever. And it's like, well, I apologize, but maybe if you didn't eat so many Doritos, we wouldn't be having this problem. And then being mad because it's like, he apologized. He admitted he was wrong. It's like, whoa, nope, that ain't it, dude. So th- th- there's a difference between respecting what he's done in the past and being required to pretend that he's playing well because of what he's done in the past. I have respect, just like with Favre, for what he did in the 90s. And I have respect for what Rodgers did in the past. Right now, he's not playing well, period. Right now, he's not taking accountability for that. That's annoying, especially since it just goes to the whole culture of the team where everybody just kind of has this like eh, attitude. And even, even guys that are kind of stepping up like Jair, it's, it's sort of a me against everybody else mentality. It's like, I know I'm doing what I'm doing. Everybody else is an is a idiot. It just, it's not conducive to anything. So, and, and, and beyond that, saying that people are negative fans. I mean, it, it, it's one thing to be negative about something that you shouldn't be negative about. It's one thing to point out information that happens to be negative. For example, if my wife says, hey, we're going to go to some event today, and I say, this is going to suck, I'm being negative. 
If my wife says we're going to go to an event where somebody's going to punch you in the face 500 times, and then we're going to laugh at you and go home, and I say, this is going to suck, that's not me being negative. That's me pointing out the reality that this is, in fact, going to suck. If the Packers are 13-3, and and everybody's playing pretty well, and you're complaining or nitpicking the few negatives, that's being negative. If you point out the fact that we've only won three games, and point out the fact of, of pointing out why we're losing, that's just information. Sometimes reality is negative, and, and to run away from reality just so that I'm not negative, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. That's silliness. So can people take it too far and be disrespectful? Sure. Slightly ironic, because one example of that would be what you just did calling in to the quote-unquote negative fans. That would be taking it too far and being disrespectful. But yeah, you could probably take it too far with Aaron Rodgers. But you cannot tell me, I mean, you can, but I'm not going to accept it, that I either have to be positive toward Rodgers because of what he's done, or I have to keep my mouth shut. Not going to happen. When people play well, I'm going to say they played well. When people play bad, I'm going to say they played bad. That's what I've done for the five, six some odd years that I've been doing this podcast, and that's what I'm always going to do. And I'm very sorry that Rodgers has crossed over that line and people are not happy that he is now getting the negative scrutiny that other players have that have played poorly. I know that doesn't sit well with people because how dare you, but that's just the way it is. He can walk out of there anytime he wants. Anytime he wants to walk back into the side of playing well, that's great. I don't want him over here anymore because I'm tired of getting punched in the face over and over again for pointing out basic facts that Rodgers is not playing well. This is, I mean, it's, it's crossed into the realm of, of just being boring. Hey, Ryan. Uh, Zach from North Carolina. I just finished watching uh, Kurt Warner break down our film against the Lions, and uh, I guess he's pretty team. Rodgers is playing well, just has nobody around him, even though in the video he admitted Rodgers missed some throws. But the gist was... See, and that, that's the thing. I, I, and I don't know if you're, how you mean what you're saying, but the summary and the, conclu- the, the conclusion of the video, which is that Rodgers is a victim in this situation, doesn't make any sense to me because that's not what I watched and that's not even what Kurt said. I saw him describe wide receivers making mistakes, Aaron Jones, running backs, tight ends, and Aaron Rodgers, and the offensive line making mistakes, and at the end he's like, so that's why Rodgers is frustrated. (laughs) What? Why does Rodgers get to be the one that's frustrated that everybody sucks? Here's a question for you. If Rodgers has a right to be frustrated with incompetence because his receivers are running the wrong route, do the receivers have the right to be frustrated with incompetence when they run wide open and, and Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw the ball? Do the receivers have the right to be frustrated with incompetence when they're open and Rodgers misses them? Because if so, then we're not really talking about anything. We're talking about everybody should be frustrated with everybody for being incompetent, including the wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs toward Aaron Rodgers. Otherwise, we're setting a completely unfair standard where everybody else has to be great for Rodgers, but Rodgers doesn't have to be great for anybody else. If a wide receiver gets kind of muscled out of bounds because the corner won his matchup, Rodgers has the right to throw a temper tantrum. If Samori Ture is running wide open down the field and the ball is underthrown, that's just, that's just a thing that happens. 
that's not fair. That doesn't make sense. That's that's completely, completely biased nonsense. So everybody is failing, and either everybody can acknowledge that I'm part of the issue and I need to work on me, or we can have a, a, an environment where everybody gets to complain about everybody else. And and I think maybe we should see more wide receivers throwing temper tantrums toward Aaron Rodgers, and we should have some wide receiver do a video of the breakdowns um, with the offense every time a wide receiver does the right thing or a tight end does the right thing and Rodgers misses them or doesn't throw the ball. I just, I don't like the conclusion. I don't mind you doing a video saying, look how disjointed the offense is. I, I don't like that the point of the video was to show that Rodgers is a victim in this, especially since, as you said, he pointed out several times Rodgers was the problem. And half, there's a bunch of other times he was the problem and, and Kurt Warner tried to pretend he wasn't, even though he was. I, I, I just, it's so annoying. It drives me nuts. I didn't watch. It just was that the receivers weren't really playing very well. Uh, but like we've said before, watching that film breakdown has made it abundantly clear that this is not Matt LaFleur's offense. I mean, well, it's not being executed. Whatever the offense is, is not being executed. Um, you know, again, it's, it's not a... The idea that guys aren't getting open is is partially true and partially not, but it, either way, it's not on, on the scheme, right? Yeah, Lazard wasn't open when he when he fell down. <laughs> so that's true. That's that's a failure of the wide receivers and, and getting off of man coverage. That's that's a failure of the wide receivers. But there's there's also a lot of times when... Rodgers doesn't throw it to the open guy, or he underthrows the open guy. So if you look at just the scheme and the play calls, you have a bunch of plays where guys are open. On top of the completions where we see guys open, we have a bunch of plays where guys are open and the ball's not getting thrown, or he's you know not seeing it or missing it or whatever. And then you also have failures by the wide receiver. So the point is, if we had better wide receivers and a better quarterback, I have a feeling this the, this scheme would look amazing. So, yeah, I agree. I don't think Matt LaFleur is the problem. I mean, in terms of the play calling, that's, that's sort of the th- I don't, I don't. I've never really had an issue. That's the biggest reason I don't want him to leave is I really do think he's a very intelligent guy that um, is a good play caller. Maybe not necessarily decision maker. That could be a separate thing. But I think the play calling aspect and understanding how things build off of one another, I think he's really got that down pat. Dang it, everybody's been saying it. I've even thought it, but just why are we not running the offense that gets guys open easily when we have no receivers that can get themselves open? It makes no sense. Why? Why? I'm getting angry here. I'm driving. I need to be careful. Why, when you have Devontae Adams, do you try to run this Matt LaFleur scheme that gets guys open? But then you lose Devontae Adams and you say, oh, let's go back to just trying to get open and chucking the ball to the open guy. And if you mess up, the play's ruined. When it seems like there'd be a lot bigger margin for error if the coach would implement and run the scheme that he supposedly brought to our team. And Yeah, I mean, I wish we could put some numbers on this because it's it's kind of getting into... Again, I, I can't, just like with the coaches, I, I know there's something there. You, you, you can identify what the offense looks like that's Matt LaFleurian, and you're not really seeing it, but 
it's hard to know how much of it is Matt LaFleur's scheme, just, you know, with not as much motion and, and under center and everything else, and how much of it is sort of the Aaron Rodgers offense. I don't really know, and I wouldn't really know how to figure that out. Um, I also understand that a lot of the shotgun stuff is is because of his thumb, which, again, is, you know, can't run the offense, maybe consider not doing the Rodgers thing, but they're not going to do that, so it's not worth talking about. And then there's also the 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 fact that there are times they're running the Matt LaFleur thing and it's not working just because, again, either Rodgers is messing up or the receivers are. You know, especially like you got these like rub routes, which are like pick routes but legal, but the depth and everything else is all messed up and the guys run into each other. I mean, it's it's a kind of a disjointed mess, and I don't know how much of that's factoring into... I don't know. I don't really know. There's, I generally agree that there isn't as much of the offense that we all feel would be beneficial in this situation. That takes a lot of the pressure off the quarterback and the right wide receivers and tight ends and running backs and everything else. It stresses, puts that stress on the defense more as opposed to on our offense making a great play. But I can't really quantify it at this point, and I don't know. I mean, I guess we could, like I said, I did yesterday, I looked at how much we're using motion or play action. Motion is another thing that I could look at, but I just, I don't want to right now. I could if I want to, I just don't feel like it. Just to kind of get a general feel for what they're doing differently. But I also think actually 2022 would be relatively high because of how we started the season with Christian Watson. I mean, we, we really, we did it a lot. You know, we, we were kind of trying to mix in a lot of that stuff. Now it's dwindling now because we're not doing it as much. Obviously, with Rodgers and shotgun, Christian Watson not playing. But I, I guess kind of the point is if, if Watson was healthy and Rodgers' thumb wasn't jacked up, I think maybe we would see a little bit more of it. I think there are special circumstances that are causing it on top of not really even knowing where we're at to begin with. So um, I agree. I just I can't quantify it. Or I, I wish I could. That's, that's what I like to do is be able to just put a number to it and say, there you go. There's the reality, right? I can't really do it other than to say, I feel like I'm seeing the same thing you're seeing. That's the best I can do. I don't know. I mean, this is just the theme with everything. I don't know whether to blame Rodgers or to blame LaFleur or to blame everybody, but it's so frustrating because we literally don't have any receivers, but they're using that, but but they're not running a scheme that is supposed to work without receivers. Um, I don't know. It makes no sense. And I guess I'm not looking for any insight because I don't think anybody knows. But, I mean, it's hard to watch that video and blame Rodgers totally. But then you take oh, a yeah. step back and are like, this isn't Mike McCarthy. I know we're playing him this week, but he's not coaching our team. So what the heck are we doing? Why are we just running routes that guys are supposed to win on instead of and where the timing has to be right screw timing and releases and stuff just like run some crossing routes and get open be a scheme not talent because you don't have any ah frustrating all right go back go yeah um and and i mean i I think that was kind of i think that should have been the point of the offense is look how bad everything is because it really was a good video pointing out kind of what we already knew, but to how much of a degree, right? To see Sammy run the exact wrong direction. I mean, and it's such a basic, like he just didn't understand the, the, the call at all. Because there's no world in which you would boot out to the right and then run to the left, 
right? That, that, that's, that's never going to be a thing. So he just didn't hear it properly or there was a check and he's just, maybe he's just not, because they said that with the touchdown thing too. Maybe there's a, an adjustment you make at the line or a check that he made or whatever. Maybe he's just not getting that. You know, they talk about there's multiple plays and then there's the Aaron Rodgers playbook also that you have to understand when you get to the line and all that. Maybe that's where Sammy's really coming up short is understanding all that stuff. Cause he is just, it's not even necessarily the talent. That's the issue. Although I don't see that that's really excelling either, but just, just the understanding it's, it's crazy because he's, he's a veteran wide receiver. And I understand it's still a new playbook and you still have to learn all this stuff. And Rogers is not, I mean, it's complicated stuff, even for a new guy coming in, like, dude, this is ridiculous. I got to learn Matt LaFleur's offense on top of Aaron Rodgers offense on the fly. That ain't easy. Ain't easy being cheesy. But um, but yeah, I, I think that was, I think that was the theme of the video, and I just wish that that would have been emphasized more. Is just you know, I know you know it's bad, but I don't think you realize how bad it is. I know you know the wide receivers are struggling, but let me just show you guys falling down and just running the exact wrong way. You know, he, here's a play where if he runs to the right, which is the play. To, and by the way, that play that Sammy went the wrong way, I think that is kind of a Matt Lafleur play. I don't know. I mean, I, I, who knows? I'm sure Mike McCarthy has it somewhere in his playbook, as does Matt LaFleur. But the point is, you've got those levels, right? There's three levels all running. You run to your right, and, and there's three guys right in front of you. So it makes it kind of an easy read. You got the guy in the flat. You got the guy in the, in the intermediate. And then you got the guy deep. And the point is, if they're, especially I think if they're playing zone, somebody should be open. And you're just reading a couple keys here, and you make the throw, and you're good to go. And, and he showed, like, look at the wide open area. Now, it probably isn't wide open if there's a guy running that way, which is the problem with, you know, again, the whole screenshot thing. But more than likely, he's going to come open, and it's a big reception. But he's just not there. So anyways, I didn't realize how late this was getting. We do have to take a break. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy for Grown Ranch Discipleship Ministry.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ryan, Peter from Milwaukee. Hey, Peter. Quick question. Yes, sir. When do we realistically see Jordan Love? What game? Wanted to know your thoughts on that. Do we see him at all this season as a starter? Or do we not? If so, what game? Thanks. Go back. For what that's worth. Yeah, I'll say this. Pending injury, and I know he's already injured, but, you know, pending, like, we cannot play him or whatever. I don't think there's any way in the world, as long as we're mathematically viable in the playoffs, that we see Jordan Love. 
but there's still that element of of as Jake from Escanaba pointed out the respect factor, right? Whereas if this was somebody else, maybe he gets benched, but it's Aaron Rodgers, you can't bench him, which is I think part of the problem with this entire team is there's so much, yeah, but it's Aaron Rodgers going on that's causing maybe not the best possible decisions being made. But, um, you know, th- there could be a point at which you realize the season is over and, and maybe Rodgers also is not super into it. I don't. I mean, he doesn't want to get benched. Obviously, he's a, a, a proud person, understandably so. But I, I don't know. I think that's going to be a really tough call. Um, I would say that the last game of the season... Maybe, but I don't even know how that usually like you don't play your starters in the last game of the season because, you know, you're going to the playoffs and that becomes a question. Is there a thing where we're really bad and, you know, we I don't know. And you start to think, well, could they maybe try to protect him physically? I mean, maybe that's the sales pitch, but that's only if the plan is to bring him back next year. I mean, I mean, it sounds kind of like a jerky thing to say, like, well, we don't need you next year, so we're going to go ahead and let you get hurt. But that would be sort of the implication to me is we're going to bench him because we want to keep him healthy for next year. I, I, I'm i kind of at the point now where I just, I'm not positive that he doesn't just ride out the whole year. And I, I the thumb thing is is pretty serious and it doesn't seem to be getting better, which is kind of my whole point with this is seems like he just needs some time. And maybe that's not true. Maybe it's not going to get better. It's something that's going to linger, you know, pending like a, a surgery, which would maybe shut him down or something. But leaving injury aside, which I think is a very real possibility, maybe maybe that is something they do is they, they're like, you know, he needs surgery and it's going to shut him down for the year. And that's how we see Jordan Love. But leaving injury out of it, it's really hard to see a scenario where they say, Rogers, I'm sorry, we're done. We're moving on with Love for the year. Even if you can try to be like, well, that's not exactly what it is. We need to evaluate him. Yeah, but that's how it's going to be perceived. And no matter how much or whatever you say to Rogers, whatever you say to the media, it's going to be thrown in your face of you just benched Aaron Rodgers for Jordan Love. And then, as I said, what's going to happen is the team is not going to get better, and it's going to be a disaster, and Jordan Love is going to make a lot of mistakes. Whether he plays better, as good, or worse, it's not going to matter. Every single mistake he makes is going to be blown up and magnified. The guy is going to be trashed and crucified, and the team is going to be trashed and crucified for daring to bench a Hall of Famer, and then they're going to show this highlight reel of every single mistake Jordan Love made. And they're going to say, look how trash this guy is. You actually thought he would be better. You're idiots. And I don't think they want to deal with that. Even if evaluation makes sense, I just, I can't picture that being the direction they go. So I'm at a point now where injury is the one thing that might shut him down. Outside of that, I just, I don't think he's going to be benched. Hey, Ryan, it's Goose. Sorry, I'm breaking a couple of rules here. Calling out my balloons. Oh, Goose. Your point, talking about uh, Lamar today, got me thinking that about Seattle's situation, actually, and Geno Smith. Everyone, Goose, do you drive a tank? I'm just curious, because that'd be that'd be freaking hardcore if you owned a tank and drove that to work. Said, oh, if we put Jordan Love in. Not going to be as good as Rodgers. This team will like maybe we'll win more, maybe we will lose more. But the general thought is that it's not going to be very good. But look at Seattle. Look at who thought Geno Smith was a good quarterback. 
before this year. I still don't think he's a good quarterback, but I think he's a quarterback playing within the system. Yeah. And one... Well, it, it is an interesting parallel because, I mean, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers were both at the pinnacle, at the peak. And so you look at Geno Smith and you say, is he a better quarterback than Russell Wilson? And I know a lot of people would love to just say yes, because, well, obviously it's yes, because we hate Russell and he's a goofball and he's a jerk and we never really liked him anyways or whatever. But honestly, it's it's hard to look at it and say Geno is a better quarterback overall. Now, there's other, other factors, but that's kind of the point, isn't it? There's something else going on with Russell, just like there's something else going on with Rodgers that's kind of hard to put your finger on. But the reality is there's something there. And it's not impossible that a lesser talent, and, and and the odds that, regardless of if things even get better, the odds that Jordan Love will ever reach the pinnacle of Aaron Rodgers' talent level is so astronomically small. Because Aaron Rodgers is, again, as Jake pointed out, one of the all-time greats, right? Put some respect on his name, all that. But you still have to face this, don't you? Is Geno better than Russell Wilson? No in terms of talent, in terms of, of what they're able to do physically and mentally and all that, we've seen peak Russell Wilson. And we've seen Geno Smith. Maybe that's unfair to Geno. Maybe it's a, maybe that talent's always been hiding. He's just never been given a chance. But the point is, we still got to face the reality that Geno's in Seattle, and that team has done a complete 180 and is actually looking like a pretty good football team. Why? Why is it better without the better quarterback? I think it's a fair question. Well, it's because... Russell Wilson fell off and he wasn't following the structure of the team and he wasn't okay interesting perspective I I think it is a good question why is Seattle better with a less talented quarterback and again well he's not less he's more talented okay but we acknowledge that he was very recently the better quarterback right or are we saying he was always a fraud I'm just saying it's 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 kind of an interesting thought the entire team commits to a system. If the system is good, it works. And we saw that in 2020, when our entire offense committed to the Matt LaFleur floor offense, it was unstoppable. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever watched. It was as good as watching the 96 Packers. Like, just amazing to watch. And I think that's what we would get if we get Jordan Love. Now, I'm not saying we'll have the success that the Seahawks have, and I don't know if I want us to have success, because I really am a proponent of the tear it down, let's build it back up, because this is broken. But I also wouldn't hate putting love in there and going on an absolute tear if that were to happen. <laughs> and getting a mid-round, first-round pick to bolster our offense with. I really like that uh, tight end out of Notre Dame. I think that would be some secret sauce for our offense. That would be a huge addition. Having a tight end that's just a game changer. I don't know that he is, but if we had that, it would be amazing. And that's just my thought. I'm 
see what you can riff off of that. But yeah, maybe Jordan Love really changes the entire DNA of this team. Well, I, I can tell you this. I just told somebody yesterday on Twitter that the Jordan Love proponents aren't saying the team's going to be better. We're just saying we want to evaluate him. And now you're making me look like a liar, Goose. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Also, I'm just remembering Jacob said the same thing. So I, I, I guess I have heard a few people say that. I, again, it, it's something that I think a lot of these things kind of live in the realm of theoretical. And so it's hard to, like, I, I get it. It's a thing that could happen. Will it happen? I, we, we won't know until we see it. And I don't think we're going to see it. If you told me today to put money down, Let's do it this way. Would I bet that if Jordan Love came in, we would see the offense transform a little bit more toward what Matt LaFleur wants and a little bit less of what Aaron Rodgers does? Well, yes. I mean, very obviously, just just based on the fact, not not even just in terms of what Matt LaFleur is calling, but I mean, just look at all the changes that are made. Now, some of that is going to be negative because some of the changes, the checks and whatnot, are out of necessity. Although now we're learning that defenses are learning what we're going to check into and are, are baiting us into doing that and, and attacking that, which is not great. So we won't, they won't be able to do that anymore. Would I bet that the team would improve? I, I think I'm just so down on the team in general. Um, and I understand Seattle also has some issues, but they've got some wide receivers too. And so, you know, putting Jordan Love in a situation where, okay, we're going to run the scheme and, and you are going to have protection because the offensive line's playing better. Not perfect protection, but you're going to have some protection we're going to run the scheme and some of these guys are going to be more open for you to throw to and it's going to be a lot easier to operate. You just have to distribute the ball accurately and we'll be fine. That's fair, except for the part where the wide receivers keep messing up. Now, at the same time, when you look at the mistakes Rodgers makes, like a lot of people have said, sorry, Jake, this is going to sound disrespectful, but I have to agree a lot of the time when I'm watching the game and hearing people say this, that, dude, you're telling me Jordan Love can't do that? Even like the really good throws, you know, there's always the highlight throws, which I don't really like because Bears fans do that with Justin Fields. Every, every fan base does that with their quarterback because every quarterback throws like that one or two really good throws. But that's the point. Jordan Love can make the, you know, those one or two good throws a game. I'm more interested in the consistency. And I don't know if he has that, but I don't know. I, I, I just feel like in, for me, that's taken it a little far expecting the team to improve especially for a quarterback that we've never really seen do anything awesome. Now, if, if Jordan Love looked a little bit more like Rodgers did in, in year three of the preseason, whatever, where he looked good, I'd be like, you know, maybe we should give this dude a shot because that's what I was saying back then, and I was right. Despite people screaming and swearing that you need to put respect on Brett Favre's name, turns out I was right about Aaron Rodgers. Sorry, Jake, I'm picking any. He's, he's, he's got the next call, so he'll get, he'll get his return. I'm, I'm so interested to find out what the follow-up is going to be but that's that's kind of where i would leave it and I'm, I'm i'm honestly just really nervous about all the jordan love talk because the aaron Rodgers um fan club i guess i think a lot of them really want jordan love to play too because they know it's going to go bad and they are going to be just non-stop ripping you to shreds Goose, I hope you understand what you're opening it yourself. I'm, 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 just, I'm just saying I'm nervous for you because you put yourself out there. Jacob, you went out there publicly and, and said that you think it's going to be better. Now, if it is, you guys are geniuses and can do victory laps for days, and that's going to be awesome for you. But I'm, I'm just saying it's a very high-risk, moderate-reward strategy. <laughs> but no, I mean, if that's what you think, that's what you should say. So, All right, Jake, let's hear it, man. Jake? There's no transcription, so maybe he doesn't say anything. 
All right, that's Jake with his kids, so we'll cut it off there. It's going to get weird. All right, Henry, what's going on, man? Henry, you there? Hey, Ryan. Hey, oh, hey, weird. What's up? I can't sleep, so I just finished watching the uh, Matt Flynn December game against the Cowboys. (laughs) And just watching it. Gosh dang, was Eddie Lacy great. Yeah, man. And number two, gosh dang, did Matt Flynn play with just absolute heart and lead that team. Number three, that defense. Terrible players. I just remember Mike Neal, mm-hmm. mediocre. Nick Perry, mediocre. Clay Matthews probably was great, but then he fell off. Sam Shield couldn't tackle to save his life. Great cover guy flying around the field. Mediocre, just playing their hearts out. Number four, Jordy Nelson. Packers, great. Wouldn't give up that game for all the Super Bowls in the world at this moment in time. I remember watching it in real time. So I don't know if that gives you or anybody else perspective, but that team had heart that this team doesn't. And it had Jordy Nelson. So that was pretty great. But yeah, just heart versus heart. It's something different. All right, go back, go. Yeah, and and I just said not too long ago, I I uh, I don't know that there's like one big thing. I I was kind of wrong. I mean, there might be multiple big things, but heart is one of the big things. You know, desire because it manifests itself in so many different ways. The way you play on Sunday is tied to heart and desire. Uh, the way you prepare, all of all of it is tied into heart, dedication, drive. And and if they had that, there's no question this team would be playing better. So yeah, that's a that's a big one. Hey Ryan. Hey Joe. What's up? It's Joe, not, not much. the janitor from Connecticut. Hey. Hey. So um, you know, like six in the morning here in Connecticut, and just uh, you know, a little hungover from the night before, per mm-hmm. usual. Um. Listening to Packer Night podcast in the morning, hungover per usual. All right. And uh, got the part talking about Aaron Rodgers and the Pat McAfee conversation, and um, and, and talking about the armchair quarterback. And uh, and then you have a comment like, "Well, these guys don't know anything. They're just fat." Lazy toilet cleaning janitors. <laughs> oh man, you know, kind of take offense to that. Um, I could have been talking about anybody, Joe. Come on. Sounds like a straight jab. Uh, I'm not fat, <laughs> just for the record. And pretty skinny, actually. And um, yeah, I'm far from lazy, but it's cool. I am a janitor, and I do have to scrub disgusting toilets at the local movie theater. Anyway, uh, let's get to the Packernet After Dark podcast. Uh, I was listening, and um, you had a couple questions for me uh, about Connecticut. It's all about you, man. Everything is about you. 
toilet cleaning and Connecticut questions. We should just have you on to just discuss stuff. Connecticut, man. Where should I start? You're right. It is pretty much very small state. One point uh, for me. We probably should just take over Rhode Island. To be yep. honest, I don't even know anybody from Rhode Island. I've been there a handful of times um, for work, uh, whatever brought me there. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty close to the same thing as Connecticut. A little more uh, ocean beaches, uh, for sure. In, in Connecticut, the ocean and beaches are trash. Yeah. Um, yeah, they... I do not swim in the ocean in Connecticut. It's part of the Long Island Sound, and it collects trash, literally. Um, so there are nice beaches, but they're on lakes. There's some nice lakes in Connecticut with nice beaches. Uh, we do stuff like that. If you're into boating and jet skiing, stuff like that. Personally, um, I've been in the dirt bikes and quads my whole life. So that's what I kind of do. Got a couple kids. They got a couple dirt bikes and quads. They ride around in the woods. Uh, I live in a small little country town, uh, New Haven County. So one thing, though, Connecticut is known for is pizza. New Haven That's style true. pizza. They That's call true. It- I learned that from, uh, what's his name, from Barstool, which is kind of crazy. I forgot about that. You're right. Forgot about New Haven. I, I, technically, I just forgot New Haven was in Connecticut, but <laughs> I guess I did know that. There's because because he was going on about how great New York pizza was, and then he went to New Haven, and it's like, no, this is this is like the pizza capital of the world. So I do want to try that sometime. I still believe with everything in me that if I went to, I probably should just go to New Haven because I don't want to go to New York ever, and so if I can avoid that and still get the really high quality New York style pizza. Um, I would probably rather do that. So I'll, I'll head out to your neck of the woods. I am convinced, though, and, and, and of course, it's going to be great pizza, no question, but I am convinced I'm going to be let down. I'm going to go there and be like, this is it. This is okay. Um, but hopefully I'm wrong about that. So I, 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 it's kind of cool, though. To it, it, Is it cool? I guess it would be kind of cool if, if you just grew up and there's just great, like the greatest pizza in America, I'll say, because if I say the world, then people are going to be furious about Italy, but I don't know. I'm sure their pizza's fine, too. It's just going to be different, you know what I mean? It's, it's you got to pay homage to the originals, but at the same time, I grew up in Illinois, so that is my acquired taste. And Chicago pizza, not necessarily deep dish Chicago style, but Chicago, like Chicago style pizza, it's my jam. It's what I do. And for me, that's the standard, the, the sauce. The cheese, the crust, and yeah, deep dish. I don't. I, you can call it not pizza if you want. I don't care. Whatever it is, it's just the most amazing thing in the world. I freaking love Chicago style deep dish. It's more of a casserole. Fine. It's an awesome pizza casserole. It's amazing. I I don't care about the name. I just know the food is awesome. So the the point is, I'm worried that I'm going to go there just for the same reason. I never want to go to like. I, I would hate if Gordon Ramsay made me dinner because I would hate it. I'm positive I would hate it. There's, there's maybe like three or four dishes he makes where it'd be like, oh yeah, it's really good, but there's still going to be like sides and everything else. It's all going to be a part of it that needs to come together. And it's like, I'm just going to leave that there. You know, like the vegetables are just going to be sitting there. Even like his beef Wellington, which I would love to try. It's got that mushroom duck cell. It's like, I don't know, dude, can we substitute something else in there? I don't want to eat that. It's gross. I don't want to scrape it off. It's probably, you probably don't super notice it, but it's, it's, I don't want it to ruin everything. 
But I feel like that would be the situation in New Haven. You go there, you get all jacked up. Like this is this is it, man. This is the greatest bite of pizza I'm ever gonna have in my life. And you eat it, and it's like this is this is friggin' just pizza. I don't understand. But maybe not. Maybe it's amazing. Anyways, uh, I think you're continuing here. All right, call back. Shung up on me. I'm pretty sure. I did. Anyway. I apologize. Yeah, so they call it New York style pizza, but pizza in New York does not compare to the pizza in New Haven. That's what I hear. Um, if you want, look it up. Probably three or four of the top pizza places in the country are in New Haven. You'll, if you look at top ten lists, you're going to see Pepe's, you're going to see Sally's, you might see Modern Bar. Uh, there's a bunch of different um, famous pizza places in New Haven. There's also Yale in New Haven. Um other than that, Connecticut, you know, there's some traction here or there, but it's pretty much just a highway from Boston to New York. That's mm-hmm. it. Uh, you know, it's, New York City is very close to southern Connecticut, so southern Connecticut is polluted with rich yuppies. Um, and... Yes, because they work in the city and they live in Connecticut, so that's pretty rough. Sorry about that. Drink my beers, do my job, take care of some kids, feed the dog, hope the wife doesn't eat me every day. But, um, it's good you know, goals. Packers suck. My, um, my drinking is kind of gone with the Packers. As they get worse, it gets worse. And, uh, hopefully things get better. But, uh, I, I, I really, uh, really feel disrespected by the janitor comments. Please take that back not fat and lazy um, and Connecticut pretty much sucks uh, yeah so yeah. talk to you later Stan Stan Shalom I wasn't calling you fat and lazy Joe so I'm not taking it back I refuse um, but I do know you take things pretty personal so I will at least tell you that that the 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 last part just kind of came to me in the last second because I was trying to think of what somebody would say that would be rude and condescending because remember Kurt Warner said it not me the uh, the first part of that had nothing to do with you because I wasn't thinking about you in that in that moment. The second part I may have been, possibly. Don't get mad at me though, Joe. You gotta understand, I'm I'm very much the opposite of you. I everything to me is a joke, and I say a lot of stuff. I've learned not to do that to my wife. You can't do that and get away with it. But I still do that to everybody else. So. Anyways, we didn't exactly get as caught up as we wanted to, but I do want to end it here because we're getting kind of late. I think maybe we'll do a bonus episode tomorrow or something. That uh, that works for y'all. Otherwise, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have yourselves a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.